Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Uh, again, today is the day. We, we just rejoice. We're just glad in the day that the Lord has given us. Uh, as you awaken to the reality of a new day, let us uh, anticipate. Um, let me put it this way. Let us expect always the unexpected and anticipate miracles, knowing that with God, all things really are possible. So that which seems impossible right now, whatever that is. I mean, for me and my family, the impossibility uh, today looks like, are we actually going to get out of our house and on the road to the place uh, where we intend to spend uh, Thanksgiving at a reasonable time. And I I might have to just give up that hope and expectation. We might end up leaving at what I view as a ridiculous time. Um, And so just pray for me about that, that I would I would I would anticipate a miracle today. The Christmas miracle at my house would be that we would get on the road at a reasonable time today. Um, All right. So when we talk about Thanksgiving, we are right on the cusp of Advent. And so the season of Advent begins this coming Sunday. And I am wondering to myself uh, what your reading plan for Advent is, how you are planning uh, as an individual or as a couple or as a family, how you are planning to sort of unpack, invest in, open up the season of Advent Do you have a reading plan? If you don't, uh, I invite you to join us here at Faith Radio. We are going to read one chapter of the Gospel of Luke each day of Advent. So this year, Advent's really short. It's actually only 24 days long this year. And guess what? The Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters. So we are going to read one chapter of the Gospel of Luke each day during the season of Advent. And I'm telling you now because you have to read the first chapter on Sunday, December the 1st. Um, and so by Monday, December the 2nd, you'll already be a chapter behind if you don't, you know, mark your calendar now to read the first chapter on the first. So there you go. First chapter on the first, second chapter on the second. Not hard math. All right. We're going to be reading through the Gospel of Luke during Advent. And uh, I'm also cooking up a new Advent devotional. It's going to be called Holiday Hints. I will start posting that actually on Saturday at reconnectwithcarmen.com. You can follow that on Facebook as well. Sometimes I post them as Facebook Lives instead of uh, something that I type up and post at the website. So if you want my holiday hints for this season of Advent, go ahead and log on to reconnectwithcarmen.com and let me know that you're there. And you can also follow that same thing on Facebook, Reconnect with Carmen. Great way to get my holiday hints during this Advent season. Next up, we're going to talk with Dr. Brett Nick from the Christian Medical and Dental Association about some research related to pastors and the opioid crisis. And we're also going to get an update on vaping and polio. So I might also ask him, you know, what his recommendations are for this uh, obvious upper respiratory infection that I have. Or maybe it's just a cold. Maybe that's the same thing. I don't know. I'm going to ask. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen.
Dr. Brett Nick is joining me again from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Um, nothing that you will hear here, here, here should be, um, you should not count it as like direct medical advice from a doctor for your particular ailment, even as I am going to ask the doctor specifically about my particular ailment. Uh, Brett, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Good morning. Thank you. Okay. You can hear, you can hear that I have a problem. I can hear you are congested. That's indeed the case. Yes. 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 So my nose is running. Uh, my throat is uh, slightly sore, and um, and I have uh, an int- what I will describe as an intermittent cough. It's not the kind of cough that keeps you up all night. Um, so I just have a cold, right? Quite possibly you have an upper respiratory infection. To what degree, everybody will vary. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, if I uh, inquire further, if you're waking up in the morning and you're clearing out more, more phlegm, more sputum, and then during the day of an intermittent cough and it seems to come back at full force again, 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, if it's building in that cycle, then yes, yeah, definitely an upper respiratory one. And there's some unique things that we can do uh, that I can uh, provide some insight for you to help you not only get ready for Thanksgiving, but be thankful that you're feeling better for Thanksgiving. Oh, well, then provide away. Absolutely. That is exactly the cycle I'm in. Yeah. So it, what, what you'll end up finding is most of that ends up driving from your sinuses primarily. And it doesn't mean you need antibiotics. That's one of the most common situations. You'll hear people with bronchitis or a sinusitis without the duration of symptoms, without fevers and those types of things. If you have this for 10 days and you're having high, high, high fevers, that's where we transition from a viral state to a bacterial state. And at that point, that's where antibiotics are indicated. One of the greatest challenges when you feel poorly, we decrease our typical intake. And so we end up getting a little bit dehydrated. And so it gets thicker. That's always problem number one. Number two, people will take things in isolation like a Sudafed or Sudafedrin, something to help dry the sinuses, which helps. But the problem is we don't clear very well. And so for you, what I would recommend, over-the-counter generic version of Afrin. It's called oxymetazoline, but it's just generic Afrin. You can only use it for three days. Uh, and I really like the ones, not the squeeze bottle, but the one that actually has a metered mist inhaler where you pull a cap down and it gives a metered dose. Two big sprays, each sinus, and where people fail using this, it just pulls to the lower sinuses. You have to suck this up so hard like it's going to your brain. It doesn't go to Mm. your brain, but you have to pull that high to get to the frontal sinuses. And amazingly enough, what happens is you get what I tell people all the time is you're going to have Rice Krispies of the face. And they look at me funny, but what I say is that snap, crackle, and pop sensation you feel, that means your sinuses are opening. That allows you at least to start breathing. And then the typical things that you would have, your, 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 your daytime medications for cold and sinus, your nighttime medications for cold and sinus, if you build those in and you don't have complexities of other medical problems where we have to worry about any interactive medications or whatnot, um, if you did those things in addition to hydrating yourself with non-caffeinated things, holidays, people get tired, they may drink more caffeine, they become more dehydrated. The cycles of weather starts to change. It gets cooler. We de- get dehydrated faster. There's a, a, a unique pattern of process here. But if you build those in, you will feel dramatically better. You'll sleep better tonight, I can guarantee you. I, well, thank you so much. I feel better already because I have a plan. It's always good to have a plan. And now right? you, it's, it's your good job. To have a plan. It is your job to make sure that that plan happens. Okay, so my new favorite tea um, I have, uh, is this one that's like lemon and ginger. And then oh, yes. I, put the, I put the honey in it that our bees made right here. Um, and so there you go. And it does not have any caffeine in it. So I'm feeling good about my lemon ginger tea. And the nice thing about ginger is if you have issues with your stomach, 
uh, related to the the mucus production that you have. If your stomach mm. is a little bit queasy, the ginger will help to settle your stomach as well. So that's a good balance. Nice. Well, there you go. Okay. Now, you and I are going to talk about some research related to pastors on the opioid crisis. What um, What have we learned? Yeah, I tell you. I mean, it is amazing. Opioids touch every person in our society, whether someone directly or someone who is a family member, a friend. Uh, and of course, that is true for pastors. What we know in the LifeWay research that we were looking at, around four and five pastors, 82% say that their church currently serves people with opioid addiction, not just through spiritual support and prayer and discipleship, but almost half of them also provide physical support, food, shelter, clothing. Um, but the challenge we see in this is that uh, there are some that say, you know what, I, 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 as a pastor, I've never really spent the time to learn you know, or develop a 12-step program for substance abuse, or you know, maybe we don't even know how to really address this opioid addiction. Uh, this is a pressing challenge, not just in pastors, but within our society. So when we look at this research, you know, I, I think that, first of all, my guess is there are a lot of church members who do not know that the op- opioid crisis is touching their congregation. They're not aware that that is something that's going on um, in their community. Were there other things in this research that stood out to you in terms of just our just our failure to know and then sort of the failure of the church to know how to respond? Yeah, you know, I think this is this is a, a, a crux point And boy, we could we could parallel this beyond the opioid uh, epidemic. But we recognize that maybe a larger church will recognize and have resources to reach this. But at the same time, are we equipped to say, hey, you know what, there's a spiritual nature to this, there's a physical nature to this that we need to be addressing. And it's more than just sticking our head in the sand on issues that matter and that impact our society. Now, we're talking about the opioid epidemic. Uh, Of course, we could parallel, as I stated before. And the challenge with this really comes down to the simple things, which is, as, as churches that are out there, pastors that are out there, are we sharing best practices and approaches in our regions? Are we partnering with each other where we have different denominations saying, hey, how are you approaching this? Can we partner in, in, a, in a process or approach in the rural areas where you have a very small church with very limited resources? Is there a way that other churches can reach out to help? And this is a, a piece of owning our communities as a church body, which is connecting with the stakeholders and any opioid related resources that we have uh, around those churches and saying, hey, we want to be part of this safety net. We want to be part of this web, and we will be here. We may not have the physical capacity to do 12-step programs for everything, but what's in the community, and can we partner with the spiritual aspect? And I think when you look at the research that's there, it is very, very bold and very, very clear that there is a presence for churches to participate in this epidemic. And by looking at what resources are there and being a key stakeholder in this, I think we will be able to truly Uh, change dramatically the opioid disorder process and participate in not just the training of the physical process, but the spiritual piece as well. Let me just remind our listeners that a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Robbie Gallaty, who is a pastor, but he is also a person who has recovered from an opioid addiction. Um, His book, Recovered, How an Addict, uh, How an Accident, Alcohol and Addiction Led Me to God. Um, I just encourage you, uh, if you did not hear that interview, to go back and get it from our podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. Dr. Brett, Nick, and I will return to our conversation in just a moment. After a brief break, we're going to turn our attention to vaping. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So I'm talking to a guy who is probably working at some point over Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Dr. Brett Nick. He is an ER doctor. 
We talked. Uh, we talk with him uh, because he is a part of the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We're going to encourage you to check them out at cmda.org. If you're a healthcare professional of any kind, the, this is your people. This is your group. This is where you need to get connected um, and find not only fellowship but resources that will motivate and educate and equip you for the moral climate that you find yourself in today um, as a healthcare professional. So, um, Brett, are you working this weekend at some point? You know, and actually, I am off for Thanksgiving this year. We, in the emergency department in our group, we alternate each year. And last year, I worked uh, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday block. This year, I'm actually off. So I am very excited and incredibly thankful that uh, I will be only navigating family calls and friends nearby when there's problems. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. Oh, yeah. I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with those concepts. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about vaping. One of the things you did not recommend for my upper respiratory distress um, is that I use some sort of e-cig product. Um, this, this stuff that people are sucking into their lungs, we now know, is tremendously hazardous. Um, I think that the article that you and I shared back and forth that I find the most interesting is the one about how the FDA really couldn't prevent this. No, absolutely. It's one of the challenges as it relates. It it came forward so quickly. uh, And from a regulatory perspective, the downstream concerns were not raised at that time and were not known. And so once it came through a process of things, because this is not a prescription chemical as it relates to it in process, uh, these are not some of the things, just like you look at your your mineral supplements that people take, there are some that can cause tremendous harm to individuals. And this is one of those challenges. And, you know, as you and I talked about as well, we are still just at the cusp of learning about all those underlying vaping-related illnesses. The uh, case, another one that we shared as well, was related to the 17-year-old boy up in Canada. They're looking at his lung and they're saying, boy, this is not consistent with what we've been seeing in the U.S. This is not what the CDC has been stating. He has another process that was actually delineated a little bit further, and they believe this is actually related to a secondary chemical that is uh, within the vaping component. And because these are not regulated, the different types of stabilizers, the different types of propulsants, the different aspects of each type of vape can be different. And because of that, we're seeing all of these different inflammatory processes that subsequently lead to, in many circumstances, death. And so there's a substantial problem out there. And again, what we talked about before, the most important thing, whether regulated by FDA or not, doesn't mean that it's safe. And boy, this is something that just should be avoided. So I'm, uh, I'm anticipating that there are a lot of people listening right now who, when they get to Thanksgiving weekend, um, there are going to be students who are coming home from college or nieces and nephews that they haven't seen, you know, for the better part of a year. Um, and, w- and one of the things that's going to occur sometime over the holiday weekend is they're going to become aware that there's a young person in their sphere of influence, in their family, um, in their Thanksgiving tribe, let's say, who is vaping. Um, you know, I, I don't want to just be the aunt who is like hysterical and, um, you know, and tells them that I'm concerned they're going to die. So what might be um, if 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 you had them in the ER, what is your approach in terms of introducing people to the risk of this and encouraging them to stop? Boy, I tell you, I mean, if, if it's a pregnant woman, it's very easy because it's not just about her. It's about her child. And mm. the fact that we have no idea about the potential short and long term effects of vaping, they still are unknown. Uh, and so that one's a whole or lot if easier. You're living, or if you're living with a pregnant woman, because we don't absolutely. have any idea. I mean, that secondhand vaping business is bad, too. You're absolutely right. I mean, think about all the dialogue we have around secondhand smoke and the challenges with that. And what we bring forward many times the conversation is 
especially in that circumstance, would you be smoking a cigarette or would you allow for secondhand smoke to be present with you right now? And if the answer is no, then you should do the same with vaping. You should say, you know what, you should have the same level of intolerance for your own health, for your baby's health, for your family's health, for your young children, because what we know is that this is an artificial chemical. We will have high variability as far as what your response will be. And the last thing you want to do is to inflict harm on a family member. And sometimes, you know, again, it's not about death or dying, but it is about a shorter long-term effect that we just don't know. And most people are not willing to put somebody else at risk. Now, amazingly enough, when you ask an individual to stop, sometimes that risk is not as well received. And so when I talk with people in that regard, it's just like, I understand that this is a cultural thing. This is a social thing as it relates to it. But please understand that at some point in time, just like these cases that we see, this could be you. And just because what you have vaped to this point has not triggered that, it doesn't mean that the next episode will not. And sometimes that resonates well. Sometimes it's just planting the seed to allow for further dialogue later on. Sorry, I banged my cup of tea into my microphone. I apologize for that banging sound while you were talking. Um, Dr. Brett and Nick, um, we probably don't have time to talk about polio today. Um, but... Um, but I think that maybe the next time around, we should talk about that. It, it raises the conversation again about vaccines, um, and it's an important conversation for us to continue to have. Um, maybe we'll just end this conversation today with, um, so far, how effective has the flu shot been in terms of what you're seeing in the ER? Boy, I tell you, it's very early in the flu season. We always okay. see early flu starting in September and October. We've seen some in November. I haven't seen substantial uptick. I'm in North Carolina and we have not seen a typical uptick. And I'll be honest, last year it didn't hit until January, February. Uh, it is early still at this point in time. So if you've not had your flu immunization, please go get it. Because as we know, when you get family together who've been traveling from different locations to come together for holidays, that's where an inoculation of process can begin. And so it's not too late. Get it today uh, and make sure that uh, you are well covered going into the holiday season. Yes, all of my family members who are bringing all of your Arizona germs to the East Coast. Yeah. Thank you in advance. Right. Like lots of exchange Absolutely. of germs in the next few days. Um, Brett, thank you as always so much. We look forward to every conversation we have with you. You guys can check out what the Christian Medical and Dental Association is doing at cmda.org. We'll be right back. So I'm also going to uh, talk today with Leighton Ford. I know that there are many of you who have appreciated Leighton's ministry over the years. I certainly have. Um, Leighton has written a memoir. It's called A Life of Listening, Discerning God's Voice and Discovering Our Own. Really looking forward to this conversation um, with Leighton Ford, not only uh, from our shared experience in, um, you know, it, among evangelicals nationally, but really as a personal beneficiary of his ministry it just just related to leadership. And so I'm I'm just delighted to bring you Leighton Ford up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Does your teen know that he has your unconditional love? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Teens are naturally immature and selfish and prone to making lots of mistakes. Most times their goof-ups aren't a huge deal, like when they flunk a test or miss a curfew. But when your daughter wrecks the car or tell you she's pregnant, or when your son is caught dealing drugs at school or gets busted for drunk driving, I hope you never have to face those situations, but they can and do happen every day. Are you willing to love your teen no matter what? Tell them this, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. 
and there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. Your teens need your unconditional love. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. That's parentingtodaysteens.org. difficult for me to be more delighted about the opportunity to talk with another person um, than I am feeling right now. Leighton Ford is with us. If you're not familiar with uh, Leighton, he is a person who has been ministering at a distance to many of us um, for for more than a generation. And so my first Leighton Ford book was Trans, uh, Transforming Leadership. I hold in my hand his most current book, which is A Life of Listening, discerning God's voice, and discovering our own. Leighton Ford, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, good morning to you, and uh, I'm impressed you got both those books. And I'm, oh, glad, it, to be, I'm glad to be near you by, uh, from a distance this morning. Absolutely. I have, uh, I have my old uh, green cover, uh, dog-eared copy of Transforming Leadership. Yeah, just, uh, just absolutely. Um, you've been speaking into my life for a long time. I would how love. About a, how about a how about a brand new green covered one? Yeah, it's probably or, or red. I can give you a brand new red covered one too. Yes, German. exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, I'd be delighted. Um, okay, take us um, because I want to focus in not only on the life a life of listening, um, but I want to ask you a couple of personal questions as we enter into this Thanksgiving uh, and Advent season as well. So take sure. us to take us to the Blue Water Conference. Um, oh and t- take us there twice. Take us there the first time you went, and then take us back. You really have read this book, haven't you, Carmen? Yes. I grew up in southwestern Ontario, little farming community called Chatham, Ontario. People in Minnesota would understand what it's like. And uh, when I was 14, it had been a difficult time for my mother and dad. Um, they had a difficult relationship. Mom had left home for a number of months. It was sort of a lonely time. And a new a new Bible conference started on the Blue Water River, as we called it. And I went there, not just for hope to, hope to have some fun. But what I remember is the speaker one night said, I'm going to talk about the morning watch. Well, I didn't think about watching anything in the morning, but he said, that's how I pray. I walk up and down. I take a verse in the Bible, make it to a prayer, and I pray out loud so my thoughts don't wander. So I can remember getting my big old Bible the next morning, walking out into the woods, I thought it was a big woods. I've been there since. It's a small woods. Walking up and down, reading a psalm and turning it into a prayer. And it was. It seemed to Carmen that the Lord was so near to my lonely 14-year-old heart through the scriptures at that time. That was that was a moment that I'll never, uh, never forget. And years later, a few years later, I went back there, took uh, my daughter Debbie, went out to see it. And as I say, it wasn't a big place. It was sort of a derelict by that time. But the water was still beautiful. And the memory of that early time, very vivid. So one of the things that you talk about in terms of maybe what you experienced there and then what you are really inviting us all to consider um, is how we listen not only to Scripture, but how we really learn to listen to God. And part of that is, you know, almost changing the practice of prayer. Like, right, it doesn't have to be 
formulaic. It can be genuinely conversational. You can bring your experiences before the Lord in the same way that the psalmist did. Um, you can bear your heart, and and God will, you know, faithfully walk with you. Exactly, and that's that's what I recall about that. I'd heard a lot of Bible teachers. I'd I'd read Bible verses. I'd memorized them. My little adopted mother had taught me to pray. But that that day, I listened more deeply through the Psalms to God's voice of saying, I care, and I'm with you. And that stayed with me ever since. And I think as the years have gone by, I've done a lot of speaking, as you know, many places. But listening quietly and listening for God's voice through many other voices is it's what I've written about in this book, that uh, out of the many voices that shape our lives or even misshape our lives, when we hear that one true and comparable voice, we find our own voice. That was happening to me at 14. And it was that year that I was invited to head Youth for Christ in our hometown. Through that, I met my brother-in-law, Billy Graham. So a lot came from that moment. We could have a whole conversation about, you know, what, what it is like to um, have have a brother-in-law uh, like Billy Graham. I can't even hardly say like Billy Graham because he is very unique and one of a kind. Um, but maybe let's have that conversation this way. Um, when we are listening to the Lord, how are we also listening to the voices of fellow Christians who might be speaking into our life? Or how are we um, the ones through whom sometimes the Lord is speaking to others? I don't think I can answer that question as to how that happens. I, I've never heard God's voice in, in mm-hmm. an audible sense. It's more an inner impression that sometimes come as it did then through a verse of scripture, sometimes actually through that uh, little mother who was very troubled, but who taught me how to pray, Um, sometimes to very good counselors who have said, this is not the way to go. So it's, uh, for me, it's, it's learning. And I have another book called The Attentive Life. I think at the heart of the Christian life is paying attention to God through his word, through others, and in our own hearts. And when all of those come together, we can have a sense that God is certainly present, certainly speaking. I think part of the problem is we are so connected today all the time. We're so busy, connected here to our vices, our, our devices, and maybe our vices. When do we ever stop and truly listen? Just be quiet. be a great thing this Thanksgiving Day. Someone suggested turn off the computer, turn off the phone, find an hour or two just in a quiet place and listen. How uh, how often God may speak to us, but we're not paying attention. I think sometimes of Moses leading the sheep when he run run away from Egypt. He saw that burning bush, and it says when he turned aside to see, God spoke to him. God's listening for us to listen to Him, even as we're talking today. And I found for me, prayer is is less how many words I say and more meaning the words that I say. And then just listening quietly in God's presence and uh, seeing what I sense from Him. I'm being. Right now, I'm trying to be slow. I'm pri- I'm attempting to be slow to speak, which my listeners are thinking to themselves is very unusual. Um, but I'm aware that the cadence um, with which you think and then speak is different than the cadence um, of some of my other guests, who maybe are. Um, faster to speak or more quick to speak. And so I appreciate that. Talk, just talk with us about 
maybe how even in your own life, the cadence of conversation has changed over time. Well, let, uh, let me say first, this is Thanksgiving week, and it's always a special mm-hmm. week for us because it was the day after Thanksgiving, 1981, that our oldest son, Sandy, died during heart surgery for a heart arrhythmia problem. So this is a, that was a time when I can remember crying out to God the day before and saying, God, heal my son. I would if I could. You can. And he wasn't healed. And our, after that, the, the terrible loss it still comes back. We love him. We miss him. But I remember someone wrote to me about the deep darkness where God is. The deep darkness where God is. There were no easy answers to that loss. But there was a sense of that God was present even when we didn't sense him speaking. So sometimes it's in the deep silence that God speaks. And sometimes, as he did for me through a hurricane, <laughs> years ago the hurricanes came through Charlotte and knocked all the trees down in our yard, and we've been planning a session for our ministry, a strategic planning. Well, we couldn't do it because the, all the lights and power were up. But a few days later I went up to the lake north of here, sat quietly listening. It seemed so deeply that God was saying to me, if you want to make a difference in the world, it's not going to happen through multiplying programs, but by investing in people. And I put down a list of men and women I knew who had great promise in serving the Lord, and that was the beginning of our mentoring ministry. But it came out of listening. The crack of those trees, I can still hear them. And then that deep silence where God often speaks. So if people want to um, read more of the story related to Sandy, chapter 10 of A Life of Listening, Discerning God's Voice and Discovering Our Own is Losing a Son, Restoring a Soul. Um, And the voice uh, after the hurricane is chapter 13 of the same book. I'm talking with Leighton Ford. We are talking about his memoir, which is A Life of Listening, Discerning God's Voice and Discovering Our Own. More next here on Mornings with Carmen. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm alone. Continuing my conversation with Leighton Ford. Leighton has, um, he's been in ministry really his entire life. And this is an opportunity at what um, I think it's fair to say is late in life. Um, I don't know how how long yet the Lord has for Leighton to be here among us. I am confident that his life is yet eternal um, and will be brand new. And I want to talk about that, Leighton. I want to talk about what you anticipate in the next life, because I think that too often our attention is so focused on the here and now that we we don't get in our imagination or in our listening all the way to the glory which is just ahead. Well, Carmen, first of all, I'm on the Canadian plan as my age, so at 65 we start backwards, so I'm 48 now. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, I find it difficult to imagine heaven, Mm -hmm. I believe. What is it like uh, to be in God's presence, I think? I had um, lost a dear friend not long ago. I can see him being there and our son Sandy greeting him. Uh, the book of Revelation says heaven is not something up above. It's the city of God, the, the kingdom of God coming down to a new heavens, a new earth. So my mother taught me years ago a little song, heaven above is deeper blue, earth below is deeper green. 
something glows in earthly hues Christless eyes have never seen. We get glimpses in beauty here of the beauty of, uh, of God's presence. Beyond that, I find it hard to imagine. But I know that Jesus said, this is eternal life to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Through, so through Christ's eyes and Christ's presence in me, even as I look out where I'm sitting now in my little room here at the uh, beautiful colors, reds, blues, yellows of this morning here in North Carolina, God is present here. And, it, and uh, beyond this must only be, if I can imagine this, minus all of the trouble and difficulty and pain, it must be wonderful. I'm a, which, someone asked yeah, which, me, I am, I am an artist, someone said, could you speak? Could I know, you, uh, I was going to go to chapter 15, The Voice of Beauty. I, that's where I was headed, so we're definitely tracking. Talk, talk, about, talk about art and talk about beauty. Well, and, I never, um, I, yeah, I never thought of, of uh, drawing or painting until I was in my 60s, and I was with my other uh, son, Kevin, when he was studying one summer, and I got bored reading and picked up a book on drawing, and I never thought of drawing anything, and I was intrigued by it, bought a copy, began to paint, and uh, I love painting now watercolors that show the beauty of this earth, and uh, my my mission statement now is to be a an artist of the soul and a friend on the journey, because I believe that God is an artist, and I want to, I want people to see and be attracted to the beauty of God that we can see I can see even now, and even as I'm talking to you, looking out at these colors. How wonderful to see it. So heaven has to be much more. One of the things that you talk about in um, in chapter 16, and again, I am talking with Leighton Ford about a life of listening, discerning God's voice, and discovering our own. Um, you talk about um, walking with your grandson in the park where you learned you were adopted. Take us there. I was 12 years old, and I didn't know I was adopted. I should have because by that time I was tall. I was six foot three, and my adopted mother was four foot eleven. So I should have, should have figured we probably had different genes. But I can remember as we walked in that park with my grandson a couple of years ago. I remember walking there on a beautiful fall day. The leaves scattered on the grounds, and this is in Toronto, Canada. And my mother said to me, "I need to tell you something." Uh, you're adopted. I didn't know that. I don't know why she waited till then, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't bother me. It made me feel very much loved. She said we we didn't have to have you. We chose to have you. So I, that sense of being God's adopted children has been very real to me. So that's when I first uh, first knew that. And uh, later on, I met my birth parents. But that sense of of being adopted was very real to me at that time, and still is. And so let's invite um, let's invite our listeners right now into a life of listening because one of the things that you talk about is that this is this is a chosen life this is something that we do intentionally. Yes, as it says in the, the message translation of Matthew six, pay attention to what God is doing right now, and that would mean right now, this instant, to be sensed. God, what is God doing? How is He calling me today, now? And when you think about um, the world today and how it has changed over the course of your lifetime, um, do, you have, do you have a greater sense of anticipation or um, like that? I feel like we are just on the cusp of revival, and that is just because maybe I'm holding out great hope that that is true. Um, 
what does Leighton Ford see when he looks at the world today? I see a lot of darkness in our politics, in our international relationships, even the division sometimes within our churches and our lives. But I heard a wonderful question the other day. Someone said, is the darkness the dark of the tomb or the dark of the womb? Mm. The dark of the tomb, where it's the end, or the, dark, or the dark of the womb. I believe God is always doing new things. He did that in my life. Even I mentioned the death of our son, Sandy. Out of that, God brought, we, we, we certainly miss him still. But out of that, God gave to us a desire to do a new thing in our ministry, to help to mentor the younger men and women who are coming into ministry. So out of the darkness, out of the darkness of the tomb, God brings new life. And I started our current ministry after my 30 years in evangelism around the world. This new mentoring ministry came because someone quoted the scripture. God says, forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. God's always doing new things. So we can be expectant and hopeful. Not that all the pain will be gone, but God will continue to do some new things. And someone may be listening right now has gone through a big loss. It hurts. Sometimes we have to wait through a period of darkness for that light to come. Leighton, as you and your family um, gather for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers as your brothers and sisters in Christ will be with you. Um, I talked at the outset, actually, at the beginning of today's show about the reality of the empty chair. And pretty much everybody I know, certainly in our family, you know, there's an empty chair in which my dad sits, um, like he's been in heaven since I was 15. And so there are these empty chairs that are still, um, you know, the uh, those who have gone before us still sit in those chairs. Um, and yet our, our tables are now surrounded by people who never knew those people. And so I'm aware of that. And I, I share that experience with you. Thank you for being a person who has spoken so faithfully into the lives of so many of us for so long. And thank you for the gift of this book, A Life of Listening. We really genuinely appreciate your being with us today. Thank you. Blessed Thanksgiving. Blessed Thanksgiving. We'll be right back. So as we uh, listen today, that's what I'm going to encourage us to do. I'm going to encourage us to choose to listen today, to listen to God by getting into his word. So where in the word are you today? To listen to others. Um, Let us be people who are quick to listen, slow to speak. Uh, I know that's an important thing for me to be reminded of. Um, And let us enter into a life of listening. What does it look like to listen to the world around us before we try to speak into it? To listen carefully, to listen to um, more than just the echo chamber that, uh, you know, whose whose arguments we appreciate. What What does it look like to genuinely listen today? And what a great gift that is to others. So be fully present with others today. Um, one of the things that you and I uh, do as people who in, in whom the Holy Spirit of the living God dwells is that we actually uh, have a ministry of presence. And so let your ministry of presence today in the lives of others be also a ministry of listening. People need that. We all need that. Thank you so much for joining me today on Mornings with Carmen. I look forward to being with you again. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.